At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates who are fed up with the status quo. We have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative individuals across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. We always talk about this kind of buzzword, especially coming out of the tail end of the pandemic, about shortages in medical care. One of those hot topics that we've talked about is always, obviously from the physician standpoint, obviously big fans of putting doctors into direct care and helping build out lifestyles and, and not abuse them. But a group that always gets some attention, but might fall through the cracks are nurses. Obviously nurses are central in patient care and we wouldn't really have a healthcare world without them and patients would be not getting as good of attention as they are these days. A couple of years ago, we thought we had things figured out from a healthcare standpoint. Fast forward a couple of years ago, massive shortages happening, the advent, the birth of, I guess, a very robust traveling nurse industry. So with us today to help us with this conversation here on Healthcare Americana, Matthew Malby, co-founder of StaffHealth.com. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Chris. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Now, my introduction was not nearly as polished as I wanted to, and I don't think I gave you as much justice, but give us a little bit of background on StaffHealth.com, what you guys are doing, and really where this grew from these past couple of years. Yeah, so uh, here at StaffHealth.com, you know, we are uh, an all-purpose agency for staffing for healthcare providers. So, you know, we have a database of about 100,000 nurses um, nationwide that we, we staff, you know, a, a lot of like long-term care facilities, a lot of post-acute facilities, uh, you know, some hospitals, you know, things like that. Uh, but we uh, help provide, you know, nursing staff to facilities who are short-staffed, um, especially through this pandemic. I guess the million dollar question or multi-million dollar question is, well, why don't hospitals just hire their own staff? You know, that's a that, that's a great question. You know, um, a lot of it has to do with low wages. A lot of it has to do with flexible scheduling um, and, get, and, you know, getting committed schedules. Uh, and, um, you know, with the shortage, you know, we, we had a shortage before the pandemic. But obviously, when the pandemic hit, it made everything even out of place, out of whack. Uh, and a lot of the shortages came from COVID related issues. So when that started happening, it made it really hard for any healthcare facility to hire their own staff, let alone, you know, get them to one facility to commit to a long term schedule at a certain wage. And then with everything going on with the nurses at home and pandemic, it made it very difficult for uh, healthcare facilities to find staff nationwide. Yeah, I want to dive into a little bit of those difficulties because you look at some, it's like, all right, if somebody is sick and they can't come into work, I get it. But a lot of those seem like it was almost self-inflicted, overworking people, uh, overscheduling people, not paying attention to really what's going on from a lifestyle standpoint. 
what really happened? What were some of the, I guess, some of the foundational contributors to where we went from? You did mention that we had a shortage before, but now it just exacerbated that. Break that down for us. I mean, it's a great question. There's a lot, there's a lot of different factors, right, that go into it. And um, some of the main ones, along with the pandemic, were childcare was a big one. You know, uh, you know, not only were nurses personally affected by COVID or Omicron, you know, different variants, but everyone around them at home also was. So, you know, if you look at the, at the nurse, nurses in general, right, a lot of them have, uh, you know, kids at home, families at home. Some of them are single mothers, single fathers. So when the child care is short as well, short staffed, I guess you can say child care, people were hesitant about babysitting. People were hesitant about all that. And um, they didn't have any child care at home. That was one thing. So they had to stay home for their kids because the schools were out. If you remember, I mean, schools were out. There's been different yeah. mandates throughout this whole process. Uh, so that that was definitely a nail biter for for quite some time. And it's, it's eased up a little bit um, that we're seeing now. But another fact of that, Chris, is also the asymptomatic portion, especially with the new variants. So when these nurses are just feeling fine. Right. And um, they don't know that they're infected with any virus. They show up to these facilities thinking they're going to work and they get tested at the front doors. They test positive, asymptomatic, and they're sent home. This was happening and continues to happen, actually, but this was happening a lot. And uh, therefore, if two, three people get sent home, that's many patients. That's probably 40, 50 patients that don't have proper care. And that puts the facility in hyper mode saying, hey, we got to find someone to get them in the door fast. We had to send a nurse home who had no idea they had COVID. That was also a big factor. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. The, the uh, hey, I'm, I'm ready to work. And all of a sudden, well, what do you mean? I, I feel fine. Isn't this why I'm wearing a protective suit and a face mask and a, and a face shield and all that kind of stuff? But that is a topic for a dip. I don't, want, I don't really want to go into that one. It's so divisive these days, right? A couple of years into yeah. it. So the kind of, I don't want to use the word advent, but it seems like this nurse staffing and kind of the traveling nurse has really exploded here relatively recently. Is that just a, the symptom of what you were talking about before led to this kind of explosion of flexible scheduling and people willing to travel to fill in the empty slots? So I, I think it has, I think it accelerated it a lot. Travel, to be honest, travel nursing and even agency temp work has been around for quite some time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as this pandemic actually came about, it, it increased it even more because healthcare facilities, kind of like what we just talked about, they don't have the means, they don't have the resources, they don't have the staff to sit there and call 50 people to get them in to pick up a shift, right? Mm -hmm. So what healthcare systems, healthcare facilities had to do was really, really focus on agency use, outside use, that uh, people kind of like Staff Health that has a pool of on-demand candidates that we can send in immediately, last-minute shifts, coverage, future shifts, whatever they need. So just because they don't have the means and the staff to handle that, you know, we helped out, stepped in and we would give them last minute coverage. And it, it really helped everybody out. And it did start booming again, especially uh, rural areas. Let's talk about that for a second, right? They don't even have a lot of nurses, let's say hundreds and hundreds of nurses in their areas. So what a lot of them had to do in order to keep the patient care up was get travel in there. And that's very expensive. They were offering insane amount of money, right? Signing bonuses that were 25,000 even, I mean, big time stuff to fly these people in, nurses in, give them housing, the whole nine yards, just to keep up with the, the demand of the, their patients and patient ratios. 
you just said that, you know, they're, they're paying tons of money for airfare and, and lodging, all this kind of stuff. And I, I heard kind of anecdotally that, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll pay a traveling nurse 3X what we pay somebody on our own staff. And I'm thinking, well, that seems counterintuitive to me if I'm looking at anybody's budget. Is that reality? Are you seeing that where, well, I'm not going to pay, you know, you mentioned low wages before. I'm not going to pay the wages for to actually bring somebody on as a full-time person or part-time here, but yet I'm going to go out and enlist a staffing agency and pay them more than what I would have bringing this person on as an employee. Yeah, it did kind of disrupt it a little bit, right? And at the end of the day, they had to have someone in there, right? Someone that was reliable. I think it also goes back to the process of what it takes to hire a nurse, right? You have to do marketing, you have to do interviews, you have to vet them, you have to credential them, you have to agree to a sort of pay, right? You have to, when's the start date? Do they bail out, you know, throughout that process? And that's a lot of work, believe it or not. And they have to have recruiters. They have to have people that do all this. And I think that's a big hiccup with some of the healthcare systems and facilities is that they have to have people that can do that. Whereas we already have an on-demand platform, we can send them in. It's already, you know, we have a pool of candidates, we'll call it that, right? That we can Mm -hmm. keep sending in. And you're right. I mean, it's very, very expensive, but we're seeing that, especially with some of the big healthcare systems and, uh, That's a good segue because not everybody has those budgets for that, unfortunately. So we also have to have a different way of doing some staffing for facilities as well. Well, you make a great point that I think a lot of people don't realize is that it takes a lot of time and energy and even money to hire and vet people. You want talented, trained nursing staff that you know, can pass a background check. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, start a kind of a basic where yeah. a patient would be like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. You know, make sure this person is actually who this person is and not some weirdo coming out here, but that takes time and energy. And if you're already an overburdened, overworked staff, then it's not necessarily a dollar to dollar comparison of employment versus type of flexible staffing. So give us a little bit of um, background on staffhealth.com. Once again, we're talking to Matthew Malby co-founder of staffhealth.com. What you guys have seen, what your growth has been like, and then really who, what kind of nurse, I guess, is the best way to answer this. Are you attracting? Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said previously, we have uh, about 100,000 nurses that are in our database. And, uh, you know, we, we, we target all nursing professions. We handle everything from, you know, the RNs to the LPNs and uh, also CNAs, certified nursing assistants. And, Certified nursing assistants are actually not talked about that much, but they are such a crucial and vital part of that healthcare system because the nurses depend on the CNA certified nursing assistants a lot. They help everything out. They help the transitions of patients. They help the changing. They help the, you know, doing vitals even, you know, they, they do a lot. And when there's a shortage of CNAs, that puts more pressure on the nurses, right? So they're burnt out as well. So We try to also get a lot of CNAs in um, to help with that, Um, a lot of LPNs, a lot of RNs. Those are probably our three strongest uh, suits right now to where our healthcare facilities or what we're seeing need the most help. And, you know, we also watch out for burnout as well on our side. The mental health of nurses has really been struggling through the pandemic. Um, So we offer flexible scheduling, you know, on-demand platform with flexible scheduling. So they can actually pick their shifts. They can say, hey, you know, I have my childcare for... I need childcare that I, I don't have for the next couple of days. So I can take the next couple of days off. I'm going to pick up shifts next week to make up for that. So they can really play around with that. And that takes a lot of stress off the home life. Expand a little bit uh, on what a day in the life looks like. You're just touching upon that a little bit that 
you know, a nurse uh, comes to you, either a CNA, an RN or LPN comes to you and says, hey, I need the flexibility, whether it's it's at home, you know, caring for kids or mm-hmm. I want that lifestyle. You know, flexibility these days is very important to the American worker across all industries. What's a daily life look like if I choose to say, all right, here's my times, then what? Yeah. So, uh, you know, for us here, you know, we have we actually have an app, an on-demand platform where nurses can actually, you know, they sign in, they're already credentialed, they're ready to go. They sign into their app and they can actually see uh, a wide array of shifts that are available in their area and even outside their area. I have nurses, honestly, that drive three hours just to pick up a shift at a facility in some cases. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, it's wild. But, um, you know, they can actually see what shifts are available, what locations, and they can go in and pick which ones that they want. So they can look at a bunch of factors, right? They'll get location, driving distance. They can look at the facility type. They can look at, is it an AM, PM shift? What, what time is the shift? And they can actually pick those instead of someone telling them what they're going to work. They can actually pick that. And then to take it a step further, we're offering same day pay. And that's been such a great value for the nurses because, you know, they were heroes last year. This year, they're, they're not kind of, right? Um, and, uh, you know, this gives them an extra incentive that says, hey, look, once they finish their shift, you'll, they'll get paid and then they can, you know, move on to the next shift or, you know, handle their bills because a lot of them are struggling because they've been out of work maybe or they don't know what the future holds. They don't even know if they'll get COVID next week and not be able to work. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, yeah, I think that's the first time I've seen that. So that, I can definitely see why that is a big, big factor and say, all right, I'm going to go do this and put the work in. So get the cash right away. Uh, you know, that's fantastic. How do you know, when you place somebody into a uh, location or to a hospital or to a system, any problems integrating that person as far as learning curves go? How do you adjust to those situations? Sure. So here we usually hire, you know, we hire experienced professionals. One of the reasons for that is because they're going to multiple facilities. They need to hit the ground running. So that's one thing we do look for. We do hire um, with some experience. Um, you know, we do orientations if needed. But what we also do is, you know, this isn't all about the nurses. It's also about the facility, right? So we also want to make sure it's a good culture fit, right? We want to make sure that that's a good fit for the nurse and the facility. So we get the needs from in the culture fit from the facility, what they're looking for. And we talk to our candidate pool and we hire people or, or add people in there who, who fit that mold. That definitely creates a lot of less friction um, in the environment. Yeah, I was thinking from a technology standpoint, I don't think anybody in healthcare is really happy with any EMR out there from the big ones all the way down to the little ones. There's always pluses and and minuses from them. So I can just imagine somebody goes to a new facility for the first time and opens up an EMR. I'm like, oh my God, this is a multi-week training that is, that is needed for that. Most of them, most of them are comfortable with the EMRs that, that uh, we Good. make sure that they're ready for that, you know, so we're not putting them on the spot or anything like that. It's a smooth transition. Good, good. Good to hear it. I was, I don't know why technology is always one of those things where I, maybe I've been uh, <laughs> burned in the past, you know, from the medical industry that's like, yeah, nobody's happy with the EMR and everything's just too many clicks and it, whatever. It happens. Everybody's got something to complain about there. Um, <laughs> wanted to talk about you. Know, you talked about burnout and, and the mental health, and if anybody even wants to be a nurse anymore after you know, everything's been through. And I love the fact you said last year they were heroes. This year, our healthcare professionals are getting a lot of fingers pointed at them for whatever reason it is. Is there a difference? And I know you've done a lot of surveys and you have a ton of numbers to look at it and you measure very closely. What are all those studies telling you about the people you work with versus somebody who might not be on your roster? 
how are they doing? How are they coping? How are they uh, adjusting? There's multiple sides to that. One of them is a lot of nurses chose to retire um, when this all just leave happened. Leave you know, medicine, were, live care altogether. Just leave. We did several different surveys, but one crucial survey we did uh, to about 300 primetime nurses um, that are working a lot of hours. And um, through that survey, we found that 82% said that wages, if they have increased wages, that would make them less likely to burn out, right? So they want a wage increase. Another one is 62% of those people said they would switch careers completely. And that's not even... That's not retirement. That's just like 62% over half said, hey, you know what? I might just find something else. And so you have the, you have the people who have been in the business for a while retiring. You have people who are new to the business saying, what did I get myself into? We're not being appreciated. We're not, you know, we're low wages. We have all these hours. I have kids at home. I have a family to support. Um, you have that side. 84% of those people said that the increase in work duties increased dramatically during the pandemic. So the wage ratio to, to the workload was um, off the charts. You know, they, they wanted more money, you know, um, in order to get their job complete. And, uh, you know, it's the value too that they're providing. So yeah, I totally yeah. sympathetic to that. And we need our nurses happy. 62% of them in that survey said that it would be great to have mental health resources. So we started providing some some resources where they could you know reach out to you know um, groups forums for nurses to discuss mental health um, issues or, or burnout you know because um, mm-hmm. you know nurses are such a vital part of our healthcare system. I mean, patients need people to believe in them them more than they believe in themselves. Right? That's how people get through rough times. And um, you know, if the nurses aren't hundred percent, then that big crucial part is going to suffer. And um, we're trying to get that back in gear and offering flexible schedule and, and doing these little things for our nurses has really started to bounce back the appreciation of, of our nurses for, for the field that they're in. They're becoming passionate again, which is lovely to see. It's great. Well, and that usually resonates and any listener out there would be like, well, yeah, anytime that you're actually in a hospital or a care facility that like you usually interact with a nurse far more than you're going to be interacting with a physician or a team of physicians. And so absolutely, absolutely. You can kind of you can kind of bank on that physician being hurried and 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 unhappy and kind of rough around the edges, you know, for being totally stressed out for his or her workload. And it's like, then you really want that kind of comfort and say, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to take care of you from the nursing. And if you don't get that, then goodness, yeah. hospital's yeah. not a place you want to be anyways. And it's definitely going to be a place that you're like this, this sucks. This is yeah. not going to give me any, any hope for yeah, <laughs> the future getting better, right? And the wages are, we're always a big deal. You know, some of the certified yeah. nursing assistants are making less than a, a barista at, at Starbucks, right? And um, so how does, how does that work, right? I mean, people are leaving to go, you know, make an extra buck or two being, you know, working at Starbucks or whatever, you know, whatever it could be. And, and that's making more than they are being a healthcare provider. It goes to echo you know, a lot of my gripes with healthcare in general is that it's so antiquated from getting paid for services to how you treat staff and how you pay staff. And the easy answer is, well, Matthew, it should be supply and demand, right? Where's the supply of nurses? Oh, it's little. Well, then guess what? Those wages are going to start ticking up. And for some reason, usually it's outside influences that, that suppress things like that, either taxes or government or third parties, whatever it is. Yeah. But it's been kind of a phenomenon, you know, like you said, that we've not seen the wage growth. That could be, well, hell, we just hit eight and a half percent inflation. So everybody across the board got an eight and a half percent pay cut. Big, but, big part. That stressed out the industry even more. Um, oh, I'm sure absolutely. other industries as well. That just added on to the healthcare 
network, right, of, um, of, of the low-wage issue. And to your point, it, it affects more than nurses too, right? The facility administrators, patients. You know, there's a bottleneck effect right now with the hospitals discharging patients to long-term care facilities. Yep. So why is that? It's because long-term care facilities, post-acute skilled nursing facilities, they're short-staffed. If they don't have that ratio, they can't accept new patients. So these patients are stuck in the hospital. They have nowhere to go. New patients can't go in. And this puts a lot of stress on healthcare administrators at facilities trying to hire staff for their own facility. Yeah. And the other leg of that, though, why they're going from hospital long-term care so they can control readmission rates, too. So now you have the advent of value-based, what the hell do they call it? Value-based services or whatever it is, bundled yeah. pricing. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, you can call it whatever you want to, but pig is still a pig, no matter what you call it. And there's a currency problem in healthcare. And, and that's what we always talk about. It's like the money's not coming in. We have perverse incentives to getting somebody, kicking somebody out of the hospital to a facility that's even more understaffed, just so you can control that readmission. So you can get a couple of your bucks out of Medicare. I mean, it's asinine, absolutely asinine. Yeah, and then, yeah. like you said, yeah. we're we're uh, artificially suppressing market forces within it so across yeah. the board, even and, in salaries. And uh, just want to mention this again, you know, because we talk about the big healthcare systems, right? Who are paying these ridiculous amount of money for travel? Majority of the facilities are depending on Medicare, Medicaid, insurance. You know, they they don't they don't have the big bucks to shell out like that, and that's a majority of what we're seeing. So they took a hit, right? A lot of these facilities took a hit during the pandemic, and. Um, we're here to try to get them help, right? To get them back on their feet and really attack that and, and get the healthcare system back in gear. Are you seeing any trends to the positive? I mean, is there a reason for optimism? I think so. Um, it, it's sometimes it's hard to find the optimism, right? But the pandemic really taught us our shortcomings in the healthcare system. So like what did, we can talk about the government, we can talk about Congress, politics, we can talk about all that all we want, but what, what's some of the good stuff that happened during this? And, and I can think of two immediately. One is the telemedicine, doing that and, and for the government to really put that into effect. I mean, we grew that like a decade advancement in a year by having that, right? And we can, people can get consulted at home. They don't even have to go in and see somebody. Right. So that was huge, right? Well, and Matt, just to be contrarian there, there, I mean, we had those type of technological capabilities back in the 90s. We were Skyping <laughs> Europe, you know, and then it's like, oh, hey, we take the global pandemic. So far behind. This old- <laughs> this, yeah, technically, this could have been fixed a while ago, I guess. But uh, money, I guess man, it, it's all about the currency, yeah, how we're getting paid yeah. for. There was no there's no insurance code on actually healing somebody. There's no insurance code on actually yeah. doing virtual visits. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I popped in there right in the middle of your second point. No, you're fine. No, oh, yeah. I mean, um, the second point also is that um, I believe, I think a lot of people believe that 70% of primary care can be handled by someone other than a physician, whether it's nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistants. So why not get them more involved, right? Even these nurses uh, in, in terms of getting people diagnosed with COVID or, or at least treating those concerns, you know, telemed, uh, things like that. That's another, that's another big, big opportunity too. So and, and thirdly, another one that's a huge one that actually did a great job with our healthcare system is focusing and budgeting for home health care and making that a big stamp here in the United States. So uh, by expanding that, people can actually be comfortable in their own home and not going into some of these long-term care facilities or hospitals or whatever the case may be, especially for the elderly 
uh, because they're prone to, to be more susceptible to, to COVID-related issues. Yeah, and just for discussion's sake there on your second point about primary care, obviously I'm a big fan of physician-led primary care. I think there's a there's we need to have more of an emphasis on seeking primary care. I mean, whether that is, you know, with a medical team uh, from PAs, NPs, and then, you know, yeah. having MDs and DOs involved, there's an experience factor there that I think people will say, yeah, okay, there's an education experience factor between nurses and doctors, but working together makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, we just, we get sick and it's like, I have a scratchy throat. I need to go see, you know, an ENT. It's like, well, mm-hmm. well, no, no, you don't. Like we can't, I, I would, I would say on, on your number two point there, if I might just, just rephrase that a different way. Too often we treat primary care like a triage. Yeah. I need to go see, even if it's a nurse practitioner, my, my primary care doc, my GP, my family, just so I can get a referral up to a cardiologist because that's what I, I know I need to do. I read an article on the internet. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. You nailed it, Chris. And, and to your point, I mean, you know, we live in fear nowadays. A lot of people live in fear. You know, you get a scratchy throat. What do you think? I have COVID. Immediately your thought goes there. And you Google um, symptoms and it's Google like, symptoms. Hey, I'm on my deathbed. Right. Yep. Uh, but, you know, what do we do? And, and you make a great point. And, and, and that that goes in that factors into it that we could use some some extra resources. I mean, maybe expand that to be more of a collaboration um, for for some of those light, mild cases. Um, and uh, maybe we healthcare can work together. Yeah. And then on your third point, I want to, want to put this out there in front of you. it with the with the growth of home health and home care. I love it. Like we have, we have doctors and clients of ours who are doing house calls again. Like it's this kind of Norman Rockwell carry my you know black bag around and go see, go see people in their own homes and the comfort of their own homes. Well, also not taking diseases into, into waiting rooms and you're there with just a miserable experience. Are you seeing where the home healthcare growth is pulling skilled nursing staff away from hospitals? To me, I'm thinking, well, it's only the pie is only so big. We're not making a bigger pie of nurses right now. Mm-hmm. We're slicing it up and, and sending people in different ways. Yeah, I think it has. I think the the, the home healthcare market has definitely grown. Um, I think it's going to continue to grow, and I think a big part of that is the budgeting. They you know they increased budgets throughout the pandemic to make this happen. Another great advancement of that is the technology piece. You know, I mean, we have we have apps now. We have uh, different technology that can actually, I mean, even for scheduling, you know, to schedule home visits and and to to do all these things at home. I mean, it's such a, a technological advancement that let's use that technology to our benefit. And um, some of that's at home, right? And these nurses can do that. They can chart from these from iPads now. They can do all these things from remote source, right? Like being at someone's home and then they can, um, they can do the same thing as they could, you know, being at a facility. And um, especially now with the pandemic and elderly getting rides places. I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and the home healthcare definitely is expanding. I mean, we're expecting a lot from home healthcare. And I'm a big fan of those ideas. I mean, it does illustrate that the human element in healthcare is still very necessary. I think too often people look at virtual care and, and technology of, Hey, look, I can check my blood pressure from home doing this cuff and I don't have to, there's still a very much a human element of it. You know, technology can help alleviate and make things more convenient. But for those people who are like, oh, I, I can just do everything on my iPad and never get to see a doctor, never have to see a doctor or a nurse again. I'm thinking we're not quite to the Star Trek level. <laughs> yeah, no, yet. They, they can do initial visits, I think are, are, you know, something like the telemedicine and they can determine at that point, like, okay, let's, let's develop a plan, right? Let's get a, Let's get a plan um, of what we're going to do. We're going to have a nurse come out X amount of days, depending on the needs. And 
We'll have a certified nursing assistant there too that can that can handle those needs and and then they can see a physician less often than they would if they were in a facility. It kind of reminds me of uh, back in the old days. You heard about circuit judges who would actually like go around to different locations and hear cases, but never really in one spot for too long. And that's yeah. just what they had to do, you know, more <laughs> rural at rural yeah. America uh, yeah. back in the yeah. day. We're talking to Matthew Mobby, co-founder of StaffHealth.com. Matthew, going out and just I'm a solutions-oriented guy. How do we fix a shortage in qualified, good, trained, happy nurses? That's the the number one question on everyone's uh, everyone's radar, and it, it's a tough one to answer. But we uh, we have a few ideas, and, and we've been thinking that first. I think we need to uh, we need to bring the passion back for these nurses, right? Um, I think wages is a, definitely a good place to start. But, um, you know, that's been on the radar for a while. So what else could we do? Right. And I think we could definitely work on having more of a readiness workforce that is readily available. Um, that's why some agencies, including ourselves, have an on demand platform where we can find healthcare providers real fast, whereas a facility would take ages to find. Another thing is also kind of what we just talked about is, um, you know, 70 percent of the primary care can be handled by nurses or advanced practice nurses or, you know, physicians assistants. So bringing that in and, and letting them have more control over that, you know, that's going to bring in more work, more workers, more nurses. We also want to make nurses happier. That's really what it is. The communication, the effectiveness, whether that's, like I said before, bringing the passion back, graduating more nurses. Um, that's another big one. We're trying to graduate people fast. Schools are working on that. There's more schools opening now. So that's another big factor um, to bring back nurses. But the flexible schedules, I mean, I could talk all day about this, but flexible scheduling, you know, the increased wages, um, you know, better pay processes. I mean, those are all factors that are bringing nurses back and the appreciation. Um, they want to be appreciated. They're kind hearted people. Uh, they want to be there to help and they want to be appreciated at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last question for you here, Matthew, wrap up this episode. And it's always one of my favorite questions. I think everybody knows what's coming, but Look in your crystal ball. You got the magic power. You're emperor of the world for, you know, or emperor of the country. Let's do, let's start there for the U.S. What does your perfect healthcare system look like? Tell us all the ins and outs of it, how it works, how it functions, how people interact. Yeah. So I think we need to definitely decentralize healthcare diversity. We need to, um, you know, increase the way that we see healthcare, who we're hiring, um, whether, you know, that's, that's building more schools, getting more even physicians. I mean, this goes on all level, all levels of healthcare are struggling, Right. The costs of healthcare. I mean, even for example, if we started manufacturing uh, prescription drugs in the United States, that could also help with costs, help with different, you know, ramifications for that as well. And also is, you know, scaling up the workforce. I mean, we have to scale up the workforce and we have to be prepared for a pandemic. You know, it's always something like, uh, you know, I look at, I don't know, we can pull something from the sky, like school shootings, right? It took school shootings in order to create a plan to prevent school shootings. So if you think about that with healthcare, it's like we have a pandemic here. It's probably the largest thing that's happened to our healthcare workforce in a very, 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 very long time. So now we have to look in ways now, it's already too late, but we have to look into ways to make that better. And um, having a scalable on-demand workforce is gonna be crucial um, for, for something like this, if this were to happen again. Yeah, so more of an anticipation rather than reactionary. and. It reminds me of a discussion I had recently about government is always reactionary. Centralized command is always going to be reactionary because decision-making is not filtered out. 
and yeah. uh, like you said, decentralized. So um, yeah, let's listen. And what I mean by that too is we need to listen to the nurses. We need to listen to these people who are there in the on the front lines every single day. When we start listening to like government, some other big corporations, some things like that, manufacturers, we're not really hitting the heartbeat, right? And by listening to the nurses on what they need, what they're struggling with, why they're burnt out, I mean, that could go a long way for the future careers of, of the nursing field. Matthew Mobby, co-founder, staffhealth.com. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Healthcare Americana. Thank you, Chris. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for this episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to our show on our favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com. To catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list and visit our fantastic online store. Everybody needs a Healthcare Americana t-shirt in their weekly wardrobe. I'll say that. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Havig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.